Welcome to the Jackets Online Podcast. We're back after a very long break. Uh, this is Kelly Quinlan, publisher of JacketsOnline.com. And I'm joined by a recruiting writer, Russell Johnson. And Russell's going to talk a little bit about – we're going to talk about the uh, 2019 recruiting class that Jeff Collins has put together with Band-Aids and Scotch tape and duct tape and guile and uh, many hours in the helicopter and plane touring around the east coast of the United States and even overseas. So uh, I guess kind of let's look at uh, what's going on. The two guys who are committed as of – Wednesday, um, or Tuesday, I'm sorry, Tuesday afternoon, are uh, Cornelius Evans, linebacker from Central Gwinnett, um, and the other person is the receiver, Nazir Burnett, from uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, kind of give me your thoughts on those two guys, Russell. Bur- Burnett, I think Burnett is somebody who you could you could very easily see, you know, outplaying his star rating and being somebody that the the analyst up there in Pennsylvania could end up, you know, regretting having a two-star after they see him in college for a little bit. You know, he's going to get into a weight program. He's going to get a grasp of the new offense. He's not going to be an instant impact player by any means. But what he'll be able to do is, you know, he provides depth for a program that so desperately needs it, especially in a position where, I mean, for years and years, receivers were either making plays on jump balls or, or blocking down the field. There was never really an in-between. And, and with Burnett, you have this new type of type of explosiveness that they haven't seen at that position in years. Um, and then, you know, getting to Evans, Evans was somebody that several Power 5 schools were, were coveting, you know, as signing day approached. Um, I know Baylor was interested. Louisville offered and tried to get him to take an official visit, and that was after his commitment to Georgia Tech. And it seemed like the moment he got that offer from Georgia Tech, he knew he was going to take an official visit that weekend and he was going to shut it down and commit. I mean, it, that, for that one, it never really seemed to be dramatic. And it seemed as if he was never, I wouldn't say considering other schools, but the moment that the linebackers coach at Georgia Tech called him and offered him and Collins offered him and were in his house, it was done. You know, the weird thing about Cornelius Evans is Rutgers recruited him. They brought him on an official visit like in December and never offered him and didn't pull the trigger there. And then I guess he wasn't willing to commit on the spot or something there. And that's why the whole reason why he was available in this stretch of the second signing period. And that's kind of been a tough part of all this. And this is a tough part for Jeff Combs. Jeff Combs didn't have a staff really in place until after the first signing period, because his staff all came after the bowl game, basically, except for Jashar Choice and uh, Kerry Dixon. So, and even those guys were so late to the party that they couldn't really impact the recruiting class either. So that first class was him trying to hold on to the pieces. And now this one has been about basically the analogy I keep using is it's you're like at the end of the dance and there's a couple girls left and there's like 20 guys and they're all fighting over the same couple of people. And you're just trying to, to salvage what you can. And Jemias Griffin's, you know, the, the name that I think, Everyone's kind of curious about the four-star running back from Rome. Uh, what's he going to do tomorrow? Long-time NC State commit, decommits off of that. He's tweeting about his 40-year decision tomorrow and all this stuff. And brother Quan is the defensive lineman at Georgia Tech. He's sort of um, what I would call a flag kind of carrying guy and maybe not even a guy that would be as important to this class um, if, if Jeff had had time to put together a full class. But – this is the kind of kind of impact getting a four-star in-state guy, a top 50 kid in the state, 
um, in this first uh, in this first full signing period with the staff. I think it kind of makes a, a, a an impact to Georgia Tech, don't you, Russell? I do. I definitely do. Especially, you know, it kind of puts those other schools who have been poaching the state of Georgia for those those guys that were ranked and in, in between the top twenty and top fifty on a yearly basis. You know, schools like Nebraska, Louisville, Florida State, South Carolina, North Carolina. NC State, the school he was formerly committed to, those type of schools, they're not going to have as much of an easy run in terms of recruiting as they had in the past. Because in the past, I mean, Georgia Tech was there, and Georgia Tech recruited their kind of player, and they they got a lot of them. But they weren't the ones competing with these top recruits like they are now. And, and no, and that, it, yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's going to be a different – that's where – so here's the whole thing, and my point with Jeff Collins as uh, you know, I enjoyed Paul Johnson, enjoyed his offense, I enjoyed his strategy and approach. For Jeff Collins' strategy and approach to work, he has to get elite recruits. You can't play with a bunch of three-star guys with a system that everyone else is running or similar to what everyone else is running. You lose your competitive edge there, so you do need to do the things they're doing. They hired a very well-recognized and uh, well-known strength coach. That's a, a huge thing that they're going to have to develop there, right? Player development. And then the other thing is you have to figure out how to get these four-star kids to stay in state. And you got to go work all these different areas. If you look at where the staff has been uh, during this whole month of January where they're on the road, they were in DC, they were in Pennsylvania, they were in New York. They're offering kids in mass four-star offensive linemen in, in Massachusetts. I mean, that's, such a bizarre kind of concept, but it makes sense. You've got to scour the earth to find these guys that are going to give you a competitive advantage because you're going to have a hard time. It's hard to get a four-star offensive lineman out of Georgia. You've got Auburn, you've got Georgia, you've got Florida, you've got Alabama, all these schools you're recruiting against. So, yeah, he, he needs to win some of these battles. He needs to basically lay the gauntlet down and say, hey, this, this is a new era. We're doing this. We're re- Branding Georgia Tech. I don't like the term rebuild. I like what Jeff has said in terms of rebranding. And this is where you got to win your battles. You got to win them on the recruiting front. You got to get four star kids. You got to get a Griffin whose brother's on your team. Like that's got to be a slam dunk for you. And you know it'll be interesting to see what he does tomorrow morning. It, it will be. It definitely will be. And uh, I'm sure thousands, maybe even tens of thousands of people will be watching because he has the the, like you said, the not instant impact, but the, the perception standpoint. You know, landing a four star from from Rome in your first two two to three months on campus is a pretty big deal. Yeah, and the you know, and we have, we'll get into this maybe a, little, a touch after, but 2020 is where he's got to make his bones. And I think if he can pull off getting uh, Griffin tomorrow. And then the other guy we haven't talked about yet, uh, defensive lineman Mike Lockhart from uh, Birmingham. Those two guys are two of the better guys left in this second half of uh, recruiting in the second period signing period that were available in the Southeast. And uh, you look at Lockhart, he's a guy who had a lot of different options and blew up very late, almost a four-star guy. Kind of talk about Mike a little bit. Mike has been his, he just he finished his first year playing football. I don't know if he saw his size and his height and his weight and his measurables and his vertical and overall athleticism and was like, hey, you know what, maybe I, I should try this football thing. But 
He did. He was playing basketball. He's still playing basketball at Huffman High School there in Birmingham. And he, he showed the tools and the, the upside and the ability that I don't know if he even thought he was going to be as good as he was. Um, yeah. Lockhart, yeah. I mean, he blew up. Like you said, he blew up late and not signing with UAB, which is something he came pretty close to doing in December, has completely flipped his recruitment upside down and, and to an extent flipped defensive line recruiting in the southern part of the country upside down because everybody wanted him. I, I mean, the, in two in-state schools, at least as of today, I don't, I don't see them you know, making some kind of last-ditch offer, that being Alabama or Auburn. But Mississippi State wanted him. Georgia Tech wants him. I mean, there were schools he was coveted by Power Five schools all around the South. Yeah, it's going to be pretty impressive if you can pull those two guys in. That'll put Georgia Tech at 20. Um, I did the math the other day on the board. Probably somewhere in the 40 to 45 range for the class, which is probably about where the other staff would have been. But given the changes and you lost some guys and you lost momentum with some recruits as well, the switch and dropped some guys, um, it's not – it's pretty good. You know, this whole thing with the early signing period in December really screws up any team that has a major coaching change, uh, whether it be the head coach or coordinators or anything like that. So you're kind of playing from behind and playing catch-up and really just not a lot of kids. If you look around the country right now, I would imagine most schools are signing – you know, two, three guys. There's a few that had different question marks who may be signing six to ten at the most. But it's a far cry from the days where, you know, you know, five years ago where this was a nightmare for us on National Sign Day. You'd have 25 kids signing and we'd be covering multiple signings. And, you know, all of that stuff's kind of to the side. There's one or two other guys. Like I know really in the reality of things, Georgia Tech recruited, uh, I guess, six guys in the second period because you had uh, Joseph Darkwell who went to um, to Penn State, the defensive lineman from Germany, and then uh, the tight end, Brett Seder, who's going to sign with um, uh, probably Georgia, I'm guessing, or Alabama uh, tomorrow morning. And then um, I guess there's another guy, uh, the, the transfer wide receiver they picked up um, from Miami. Uh, Marquez Ezard. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about uh, Marquez and just kind of what your thoughts are on him? Yeah, I mean, I uh, I, I covered his recruitment last year. It's, it's kind of crazy to think about it. You know, everybody says they only get to live this out once in terms of the recruiting process, but the whole portaling process and the, the NCAA transferring, the way they facilitate transfers now is different. And because of that, some of these kids are getting these second chances to, you know, live out their recruitment, whether they take all five officials where they only take one. Ezard only took one visit, and that was to Georgia Tech. He told me before he got there, he said, if it feels like home, that's where I'm going. And and being less than an hour away from his house, probably even far less than that, it, for, in Stockbridge, um, you, you know, it, it was – I wouldn't say the writing was on the wall or that it was done before he was there, but it seemed as if Georgia Tech was never really facing any strict competition. Like, there was no other visit set up. There was a ton of schools who reached out to him. I know for a fact Ole Miss did, and Ole Miss also recruited him out of high school. So you, you would have thought maybe those kind of relationships would have paid off in his recruitment, but he was all excited to go home. And the moment he left Georgia Tech, he knew that was where he was going. 
Yeah, and that's, you know, a big pickup for them. They need some more guys who can make plays. It's kind of an unknown thing at wide receiver because really other than Jalen Camp and Malachi Carter, none of these guys have played a whole lot of snaps. Uh, Steve Dolph's played a little bit, but not many targets, not a whole lot of uh, just kind of experience in terms of route running and, and that kind of stuff. They're very much – kind of starting over because you lose Brad Stewart who is really your only other experienced receiver. So getting some guys to come in and just up the level of competition, you know, that's a big piece of this whole thing. And then you have your slot guys like uh, Brown and Norris who they picked up. And then you got another outside receiver, Zach Owens, who they picked up. So you got kind of this mix of guys. Burnett's a guy who can play probably either or if needed. And then you have kind of the guys who are playing slot like Amari Jarrett who are probably going to be slot receivers in this new offense, how those guys fit in. So, yeah, I understand kind of stockpiling some guys there to figure out who's going to work and how they're going to fit. And, and may, you know, maybe he gets the uh, waivers from the NCAA. That's kind of the X factor with, with him because if he gets that, you know, waiver and can play next year, that's uh, another added bonus there because that gives you a little more competition. So I feel like from talking to Coach Collins and talking to Dave Patnode and, uh, Kerry Dixon and the rest of the offensive staff, they're looking to play a lot of guys. They want to have sort of the antithesis almost of what they did under Paul Johnson where basically the same 15 guys played on offense. They're trying to broaden that out and have, you know, 20, 30 guys in a rotation that play, whether it be offensive line or, or running back or wide receivers, tight ends, all those things. I think really the tight end position, just because of thinness might be, a little more heavily leaned toward Tyler Davis and, and Dylan Devaney, the two guys they brought in. But um, overall, you look at kind of the puzzle, and I think that there's a lot of nice pieces for Georgia Tech. And, and they've done a good job. You know, offensive line's the one area where they didn't really do much other than get uh, Jared Southers from, from Vanderbilt, who was a guy who struggled to crack the rota- rotation for whatever reason at Vanderbilt. So they got one guy there. They got a lot of bodies. I'll be curious to kind of see how that plays out. I think that's – but there, the reality of it was there was, what, one good in-state offensive lineman who was uncommitted, um, Ty Murray, and that was it. And he, he popped pretty fast, and they never really went on him because he was a guard type. That was um, kind of what they have a bulk of. You know, they have 15, 16 offensive linemen, and the majority of them are interior offensive linemen. Yeah, I mean, that you, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, and, and finding, a, I wouldn't say a replacement for Braun. I don't think you're going to be able to just find someone to plug and play there. But adding some type of offensive lineman in the, the transfer market in the next several months or even after spring practice would be something that I could see them doing. Yeah, and that's the thing that people don't realize here. People have been asking me about attrition um, all the time, right? Because the reality is you look at the hard numbers, I think they have two spots right now, um, maybe one. I'd have to go back and look. But the majority of attrition at all schools right now is going to happen in, in, in May, except for the people who are really upset and were out the door, you know. So, like, there's going to be offensive linemen. There's going to be quarterbacks. There's going to be all those different things that you might want to take a look at. And they may decide that, they're really happy with the quarterback situation after the spring and they like Lucas Johnson or they like Tobias Oliver or whoever. And that's what they're going to go with. Or they may be like, Oh my God, these guys suck and we got to go find a quarter. You just don't know. Like, so 
I think it's a much better situation for Jeff Collins and his staff to sit and wait. You try guys out in the spring at different positions, see where you're deficient, and then go chase those those guys out on the market because there's going to be a second sort of gold rush. And it's something that Josh Pastner talks about a lot with the basketball team uh, here is really you don't know what you got until about June or, or July because of the grad transfers and playing the transfer waiver wire. And that's when you got to kind of judge the totality of the recruiting classes and something that we need to kind of look at as rivals now um, as a, as a company is we got to figure out how to kind of integrate these transfers into the recruiting model. Like, and that's something I don't, I don't know how we do that, but it probably needs to be a part of the equation going forward because it's become such a prominent part of a, this whole recruiting cycle and maybe re-ranking these kids as transfers or something. I mean, I don't know. I mean, kind of what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's going to have to happen eventually. I'm not sure how they're going to utilize it. And I doubt it happens for this class, but when you've got well over 2000 people in the transfer portal, at least as of a couple of days ago, I mean, you're talking about the second gold rush coming after spring ball. That's going to put that number probably over 3000 kids. And that is, far more kids than there are spots. And a lot of these kids, you know, their hope if they get this chance to, to be re-ranked, college coaches are going to look at that, regardless of whether they tell you they are or not. <laughs> that is one of the great uh, fallacies of, of uh, recruiting in general is, you know, whether it's Paul Johnson or Jeff Collins or whoever, they all care about the rankings. They will tell you they do not. They all care. Trust me. Um, we get a, a lot of feedback from coaches on, on recruiting rankings and uh, especially after signing day when they can really kind of more freely talk about it. We get a lot of feedback on, hey, why is why was this kid, you know, did you not watch his film, blah, 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 or how could this kid be ranked so high and this other kid not be? You know, that's one of the things that's going to be uh, fun, fun to watch with this whole transfer thing because I, I remember talking to Willie Taggart who's not a coach at Florida State and they were upset that I couldn't get like when, because they were one of the first teams that, when he was at USF to really embrace this transfer model of picking kids up and he was upset that we couldn't get like some of these kids that they took as transfers ranked and counting towards their recruiting rankings and all of this stuff and he thought it was kind of bogus and at the time I, I disagreed with him very I was like no no they're not – you know, this is a totally different thing. But now that it's become so commonplace, I see what his point was, and I actually think it's something we've got to kind of look at going forward because, yeah, there's going to be this this whole January period right now that we're in, and schools are going – are announcing these kids as if they're signing LOIs. Like, I'm pretty sure Georgia Tech's going to announce the kids from Stockbridge tomorrow as part of their signing class. and. You know, old Messi you also covered. I'm sure they're announcing whoever they got transferring in. And that's, you know, a part of this whole cycle. And they're citing these old rankings, a former four-star or whatever. And there's a lot of stuff that happens to these kids. And um, a lot of times they can get pulled um, up or down based on kind of what happened in college and why they left and the, the whole circumstances involved all, involving all of that as well. So, I think it's going to be really fascinating to, to see how this plays out. And I'm curious to see what, what Georgia Tech feels like they need after they go through spring ball because the roster is pretty well loaded and balanced with the exception of tight end, offensive tackle, and maybe um, 
I think they kind of need to know up a defensive end probably, but the other positions I feel like they're pretty good at. And I think that um, it'll be kind of interesting to see how this unfolds, where their targets are and how it affects 2020 as well, because that's a whole other animal that starts. We get done, you know, the middle of the day on Wednesday or whatever, went by Wednesday night. And then people don't realize the clock starts immediately on 2020 for all of us. So, whether you're the coaches or, or recruiting writers like us or whatever, like we have to turn the page. You know, Russell and I have been having discussions today about 2020 and kind of getting some ideas going for that. So, I mean, it, it's a never ending cycle, man. It's a 24 hour, we're in the 24 hour news cycle and it's 365 days of recruiting pretty much, except for maybe like Christmas day and the 4th of July. Kids love doing things on those days. They do. I was in the middle of a lake with no cell phone reception on the 4th of July when um, it was Zamari Walton committed to Georgia Tech two years ago. I was literally sitting in a canoe on a lake. I didn't even have my cell phone with me. The cell phone, like, I drove when I was driving back from the thing, it went off. That, But luckily, in that case, he had told me ahead of time, and I had a story all ready to go. And we were able to Someone who worked on the site was able to flip the story, but that's the kind of stuff that drives you crazy, right? Like the kids who commit on Christmas, like that's just mean to us that cover these things, like for you to commit on Christmas, you need to take into account that you're affecting other people's lives and really even coaches too, because they're sitting around waiting to see it pop up on stories and waiting to see the, uh, the outcomes of uh, where a kid's going. Cause sometimes, and here's one of the weird things about recruiting. Sometimes they don't tell the coaches, most of the time, the coaches know, right? They know they've gotten a call. Pretty much, I would say, every coach knows as of tonight where kids are going tomorrow, right? Um, but there's always a couple that are like, no, I'm going to – I don't trust the coach. They're going to leak it out or they're just being really goofy about it and they want to keep it to a – to make it a real surprise, and that's always kind of a funny aspect of this whole thing. Yeah, I would. You could, I could definitely agree with that. What's kind of have you had a weird signing day uh, story um, so far, also in your couple of years doing this? That, that kind of sticks out in your mind. I can just go back to December. Uh, five star. Well, he was a five star at the time. Linebacker Nakobe Dean. The night, Tuesday night, was talk, he was talking. He was talking. Had quotes and a story ready. He was going to Ole Miss. He was committing to Ole Miss. And then you watch Wednesday morning happen. You see five-star running back commit to Alabama over Georgia. You see a quarterback commit to – oh, who did he commit to? Oh, Fields, committing to Ohio State. You saw all these things taking place at Georgia, and all of a sudden, you know, Kobe Dean comes up on ESPN, and, and I'm ready to hit publish on my story, and he puts on the Georgia hat. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it uh... – it happens a lot. There's, there's, uh, I have a lot of funny stories I can't even tell, like on podcasts from, from coaches, especially back before they, uh, they did, um, the, uh, like they had all these rules about, like coaches literally used to just sit at people's houses and like wait, um, and sit until midnight and stuff, like to make sure coaches wouldn't come by and, but my favorite story is actually um, uh, a kid named uh, Jordan Atkins who played at Central Florida and is in the NFL now. 
and uh, <laughs> he was he was going to sign uh, out of high school. He was from Union Grove, and uh, he was supposed to be going to, to Georgia, right? He was committed there, and he had picked them over like Georgia Tech and LSU and a couple other schools. And on National Signing Day, he signed with Central Florida. <laughs> then he decided to go play baseball. And he played baseball for like four years. And then he came back at like 22 or something and played at Central Florida and play and ended up in the NFL. But it was just funny because it was like such a weird – like I remember to this day talking to my colleague who runs the UJ site and we were just kind of, how's your signing day going? And – he was like the key. Remember Jordan Atkins? I was like, he goes, he didn't commit. He committed such a player. What? And uh, he goes, yeah, there were all these UGA media people there at a signing ceremony and all this stuff. And they didn't go there. And they were all like all agitated about it. It was uh, pretty funny um, because it is you, you're commit. Like, so back when it used to all be on, uh, you know, Wednesday, the first Wednesday in February, we would be scattered at different signing ceremonies and stuff as kids were announcing because some kids, some kids are cool and they'll give you like a heads up and, and kind of let you have something ready to go. But, you know, the flip side of that is uh, sometimes, like you said, a kid will flip and not tell you and you're sitting there waiting to push publish on a story and, and that kid ends up picking a different school and you're like, all right, delete. You know, and you've wasted yeah. all this time, and you had like, they, sometimes you know, sometimes we do multiple co- content items on a store. Like, you have a couple different features or a video ready, or oh, has, yeah. like our photo guy making graphics and stuff. And I feel so bad for him this time of year. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, Nick, who does a lot of our photos, he gets killed um, during certain times of the year making all these graphics and cutups and stuff for kids who are committing and. uh yeah, it's pretty funny to watch like how all this stuff unfolds and every kid's different on how they handle it. And, you know, some kids, you know, their parents handle all the recruiting. Some of their parents are totally non-involved whatsoever. Yep. Um, so it's recruiting is a wild animal. And, and um, the way that, uh, you know, Jeff Collins is doing everything very visually on social media has made this really interesting. Like, um you know, we were chasing the Brandon Wimbush thing for a while at the beginning of the year. He was trying to get in, involved with that kid, um, you know, different stories, uh, you know, them trying to get involved with, like, Darqua and going over there and visiting him and then him canceling his visit at the last minute and going to Penn State. Um, but, you know, they get Sylvain, the other kid from, from you know, overseas. So it, it, this whole – the recruiting has gotten wilder and wilder. Uh, you know, the internet's made everything so interconnected now. And you have, I mean, there's a guy in Australia who sends kids to colleges now. There's a guy in Europe, you know, who sends guys to colleges now. Like, there's this whole different world, and it makes it harder and harder to cover and makes our jobs more exciting and more stressful at the same time, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd agree with that for sure. I know back when I was covering Cincinnati, it was the class of 2017. I had another story written for uh, Braylon Sanders, who was about to commit to Cincinnati. And I, I was covering Ole Miss at the time, too. I was covering way too many programs at that time of the year. <laughs> and uh, and what happened was, was he was 
looking all over Atlanta and, and near Callaway. He was trying to find an Ole Miss hat because they had offered, and he was going to sign there. And and I got a text from somebody who was like, you, you ever heard of this Braylon Sanders kid? And I'm like, yeah, he's going to Cincinnati. And he's like, well, he's searching all over Fulton County for a, an Ole Miss hat right now. And I'm like, why? And he's like, because they've offered, and he's going to sign there tomorrow. And, and it's <laughs> like, what? So, yeah, I mean, you know, things things definitely come together. They can come together rather late. And it, it seems as if the early signing period has slowed that down quite a bit. But there are still going to be those kids tomorrow who are going to announce for one school and sign with another, whether they do it on TV or not. And, and there's going to be drama. But a lot of these kids, they just try to make up drama, like the day before, just to kind of keep people guessing and, I guess, to get people to, to watch. Yeah, it's been kind of funny to see um... – how how this whole thing's unfolded and watching like different kids try to figure out like what's going on and my favorite's been like these kids like uh you know Georgia Tech dropped a a Ahadarius Gee um before the last signing period uh and he signed with Troy where he had never visited and just signed and he took his official visit like a week ago to Troy so like there's always those yeah. things like I, I've never been there, but I'm going to sign, you know, like uh, that's, that's one of my favorite things that goes on um, this time of year. You see a little bit of that, like, Oh, you know, I'm committed to uh, Jacksonville state, but you know, South Carolina called me here at the last moment. So I'm going to sign South Carolina, but I've never been there. So I guess uh, we'll wrap things up here. We'll give our uh, predictions real quick on, on, uh, Jemias and, and Mike Lockhart. Uh, Russell, what do you think? I think they both end up at Georgia Tech. I think that they've both felt like priorities since they won. And, and I know Lockhart may have, you know, kind of fallen down the, the ladder, so to say, with some other schools as uh, signing day approached. And, and Georgia Tech always had him at the near the top or at the top, number one overall on the defensive side of the ball, especially after they got Evans committed. Um, and then Griffin, I think Griffin ends up playing with his brother. And I think that, you know, to start choice and the overall, the strategy that they've used with Griffin has worked beautifully. And I think it pays off tomorrow morning when he announces. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see uh, them do it. They're doing it in two totally different ways. Uh, Jemaya's going to be on TV and doing kind of a big deal thing. And, and Mike seems to be doing more of a low-key kind of uh, – deal so uh you know it's going to be fun um georgia tech has their sort of signing day special i think at 10 a.m which times out after both those kids will be done so uh that kind of tells you something there as well so you know it'll be interesting to see if there's any surprises i'm not expecting any um it'll be those four kids plus the the transfer from miami so you know that's a pretty good haul that'll put georgia tech at 21 or whatever and um I think they had 19 spots uh, or 20 or whatever it is. They're like right about their number with uh, planning for attrition. So it gives them some flexibility if there is, uh, you know, a mass exodus after spring ball or whatever to, to go get a few guys. And it'll be interesting to see kind of what Jeff Kahn does there and how he handles these guys and how he handles the spaces going forward. And his whole approach to recruiting – starting at square one, because right now it seems to be very heavily focused on uh, on trying to get elite kids for 2020, wouldn't you think? 
Yeah, I mean, getting those kids on campus as much as they have has been has been big, and and even just you know getting their name thrown around in the mix with some of these kids, you know, like getting Josh Downs on campus twice in a month, getting the the kid from Stevenson, the cornerback Javier Morton, getting him on campus twice. I mean, getting those kids on campus multiple times is big, and you know whether or not they end up signing is, is still you know up for grabs. Nobody knows, especially almost a year out right now. But getting those kids on campus and and building the, the buzz, no pun intended, you know, building <laughs> building that around the program and around the, the university is nothing but good for Jeff Collins. And it also, you know, kind of softens the blow at the same time, just in case they don't get the wins on the field, you know, being able to, to lock down a recruiting class early. Like I would think that Georgia Tech would like to have double, double digit 2020 commit before they start fall practice. Yeah, I would say absolutely. Uh, the goal is to be – I think they need to get a couple guys here early, um, try to use those as your class ambassadors to pull the other kids in. And then, um, yeah, you know, you, by July is when you want to start to see really the formation of the class and you can sh- see all of the different holes being filled in. And that's something we don't know yet, and I think they're still struggling with a little bit too, is what are those holes and what are the numbers going to be at X positions like – uh, you know, how many offensive linemen are you taking, which types, how many receivers are you going to take, how many corners, how many safeties. All that stuff's all in flux right now because they're still trying to figure out where the, where the guys they have now and will have for the next couple of years on scholarship fit into this, what their deficiencies are, where maybe they have an excess of talent and you need to maybe hold back on signing guys. So that's going to be all kind of the fun part of this, and that's why spring's going to be really big too at Georgia Tech. But uh, – Thanks, Russell, for joining me, and uh, we'll be back more often now. Um, got a little streamlined setup for uh, for doing the Jackets Online podcast finally, and I feel like uh, this will be good to, to get it going a little more. We'll have to get back as well. And, uh, the rest of the time, this is going to be 